Praise out over this happy crowd here this morning. I'm so glad to be here, and I'm glad that you are here. And for those who are joining us online, I'm glad that you have tuned in. I hope and pray that this will be a blessing to us all. You'll indulge with me for just a moment, tell you about an experience I had this past week. I was privileged to go to a band concert of one of our young people here in the congregation. I went to see Memphis, Francom play, and it was a blast. I got to tell you, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, my hat's off to the Glen Lake school system. They have an excellent music teacher. And as I watched Memphis, actually, I could only see his feet because where I was sitting, everybody was standing in the way. I was in the front row. Uh, I got to sit with the Francoms there. And uh, so I, was, I just want to say something about our young people. I, we are very privileged in this congregation to have many young people. And I want to encourage the families to be stronger. And to that extent... If you look in the inserts and the bulletins each week, I put articles in there that are meant and designed to strengthen the family. The sermons, and especially today's sermon, many of them are designed around the family. And for our kids here, they are the church of today. They will be tomorrow, but they are the church of today. And I want to be thankful for those who give their time and talents and abilities to teach our kids in the Sunday morning classes. Uh, and may we do as much as we can to encourage children and parents. They have a rough time, but this age, like any other age, has its challenges. And the church rises to meet those, and I pray that we will continue to do that. So would you Bow with me in prayer as we pray for our children and families. Our Father, on this glorious day, notwithstanding we don't want to consider just the weather outside, whether it is good or bad or whatever it is, but we know that this is the day that you have given us. And we thank you that you've brought us into this day, and we pray that all that we do will bring glory to you. And Father, we lift up our children and our families this day, and we want to present them before you that you might strengthen them. You might help us in our gifts and talents and abilities to encourage one another and all the more as we see that day approaching. We pray that you would bless those children with the gifts and talents and abilities they have, that they might be a light that shines wherever they may be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It may be... No secret at all to you that one of my favorite books is the book of Proverbs. I have spent a lot of time in there, and I still confess there's so much more to learn. This is the final installment this last week of the, what we call the books of poetry from the Old Testament. Uh, those being, uh, start with Job, Psalms, but since I preached recently on the Song of Solomon, I left that one out. So... The, those are the, considered the books of poetry from the Old Testament. In Proverbs chapter 4, it's, it's a continuation of Solomon's 
lectures, as it were. And if there's one thing that I have learned that children love, they love to be lectured. Is there a, a small voice somewhere in the congregation of those children that say, Amen, please lecture us more. <laughs> there we go. No, no, we know that children don't like to be lectured to. But within the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs, they are one, I call them lectures, but they're really guidelines for the young and old. And as we come into... Proverbs chapter 4, and I might add that the, the same verse that we use for our, for our sermon today, verse 23, was one that Greg Neenhouse used in his article on the front page of the bulletin. So we're, we're hitting on the same cylinders here. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Some of your versions may, see, may say diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. And the entirety of chapter 4 is really a father-son conversation. Well, really coming from the father down to the son. But we'll call it a conversation here for, for our sake. And it begins, and I'd like to break down just a couple of those words. It says, keep your heart. And as he says, keep your heart and vigilance, that vigilance, they're really kind of mirrors of the same thought here. The Hebrew word is natsar. It means to guard, protect, and maintain. So we talk about, well, this is, this is a sermon for children. Well, this is a sermon for all ages. Is there anybody here that would be brave enough to raise their hand and say, I don't have to worry about guarding my heart anymore. I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. I don't have to worry about... No, we all have to guard our hearts. But especially as we talk about children. And that's what it relates to here. As he says, keep your heart. The Father says, keep your heart. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. Maintain your heart with all vigilance. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 12 through 23, it says... Apply your heart to instruction. This entire section of chapter 23 deals with that. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. My son, here comes the heart again, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult. Remember that word from a couple of weeks ago? Exult? My heart will just be thrilled. My heart will exult when your lips speak what is right. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all day. Surely there is a future and a hope, and your hope will not be cut off. Hear, my son, and be wise, and direct, here it is again, direct your heart in the way. And here's the practical application here in chapter 23. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For drunkards and glutton will, be, will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. 
What a great mirror passage to what we have here in chapter 4. As Solomon says, boy, don't be among those people who have such bad habits, who have made such bad choices in this life. And we see that everywhere around us, don't we? People who make bad choices. And let me tell you, I make bad choices too. But I try to be circumspect about it. He says, don't be among those who that is their continual lifestyle, the lifestyle of of drunkards and gluttons. And they'll come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. The warning that that Moses gives in the book of Deuteronomy, and by the way, our daily reading has just started in the book of Deuteronomy. I know that Leviticus and Numbers were real page-turners, for you. <laughs> yes. Slow enough that you can read them. But now that we're in Deuteronomy, those, those uh, lessons that Moses is giving, Moses writes to those in Israel to not forget. Deuteronomy in verse 9, he says, Only take care and keep your soul diligently. There's that same word, diligently. Lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, make them known to your children and your children's children. Don't forget. How easy is it to forget those lessons? The same thing that Solomon is encouraging his son, as it were. Don't forget these things. Keep your soul diligently. We continue on with the thought, with all vigilance, in the Hebrew word is mishmahar, as in a guard, a guard of a prison. Guard that heart of yours. The idea of guarding, Solomon talks in Proverbs 13.3, He says, whoever wide his lips comes to ruin. I wonder if that has application. What do you think? Anybody ever found running off at the mouth and how much trouble that they got into? But Solomon here says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. And he makes that contrast of opening wide his lips coming to ruin. Guard your mouth. Jesus warns as he's in the garden. He goes out to pray, and when he comes back, and we pick up that in Mark chapter 14 and verse 37. Jesus is praying there in the garden of Gethsemane. It says, And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's the idea of watching. Could you not watch? Could you not be on guard for one hour? 5 and verse 8. And he talks something about our adversary. Beginning in verse 8 of 1 Peter 5. Be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, 
Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Passive idea, that is an active idea of being watchful and sober-minded. The same ideas are found throughout Scripture. We're not just to set back and let the world roll and flow over us. We are to stand our ground. We are to be watchful in such things. And he continues in the last part of verse 23 in Proverbs 4. He says, For from it flow the springs of life. And the Hebrew word from mine, my throat can get a little sore when I do those guttural pronunciations. But it, when it says the springs of life, it's the very source of our life. Jesus would relate to his disciples in Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 20. And he talks about the things that come out of our heart. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. You see, they were talking about, well, why don't your disciples wash their hands? They become defiled. And Jesus sets the record straight. He says, this not washing your hands isn't going to defile you. I'll tell you what does defile you is what comes out. For from within, out of the heart of man is what defiles him. For out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, evil, slander, pride, foolishness. All these... That's a pretty good list there. He says, those are the things that defile us. What comes out of the heart? Well, how do they get into the heart? How do we protect it? Paul had this issue. He writes to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 16, is, is that somehow we think that if we can just be holy enough, if we can perform certain acts, that that would keep us and protect us and make us stronger. But Paul has something to say about that. He says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism. That means being harmful to your body. And we have, we have seen people that, that cut themselves and, and use a, a whip and, and beat themselves or they starve themselves thinking that this somehow is going to make them more holy and able to uh, withstand the devil. By sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body, but they have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So I think, well, you know, if I can, if I can just punish myself enough, that will guard the heart. Now, Paul says those are of no use in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. James says in James chapter 4, he says, where do wars and fights come from? What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? 
You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The key, as he ends this section in verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And really, this section begins back in James chapter 3, the chapter before. Sometimes, unfortunately, those chapter breaks separate the ideas of what's being talked about. We go back to verse 13 of James 3, and it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? He continues in verse 17 and says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So where are we looking to for this help in guarding our heart? We're looking for the wisdom that comes from God. We realize that there is also a sense of which in guarding our heart, we must protect ourselves from the outside influences, those pressures that are in us on every side. They're not just where we're looking forward. They are coming blindsided from the left, from the right. They're looking to ambush us from the back. And Paul rightly says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company, ruin. As parents... We try to explain to our kids about making good choices. And sometimes those bad choices they are make are with their companions. Oh, is that, that's only for kids, though. Once we grow up, we don't have to worry about bad company ruining good morals, do we? It's there constantly. Some of the worst choices I have made is because I've made myself with companions of people who are there to ruin good morals. Don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. And I say this to your shame. So we come now to, back to focus on chapter 4. Because in these verses, if you have your outline that is in the bulletin, you can follow, and I've Sometimes I do alliterations, and I'm going to use the letter P. And in verse 20, it says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Be proactive. Listen to the things that I am teaching you. Be proactive in such things. And verse 21, let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Be protective. In verse 23 that we have here as our theme, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Be preventative. You're going to prevent tragedy in your life if you guard your heart. Verse 24, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Don't be profane. Verse 25, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Be prospective. 
Look ahead. See what's coming at you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Be prudent. Ponder. That's not a word we use. How many people use the word ponder in the last week? Put that on your word of the day. Be prudent. And finally, in verse 27, do not swerve to the right or to the left. And from verse 20 down through 27, speaks to children of all ages, even those of us who are well out of our teens. This is as valuable, this is like gold to each person who would take this to their heart about keeping our heart with all vigilance. As we talk about things of of how to strengthen our life and our heart, to think of from our heart flow the springs of life. It directs our course. For whatever our heart is given to, that is what we are going to follow. Protect that heart at all costs. As we close this lesson, and we'll have to now that I've dropped my outline. (laughs) Probably wishing I'd do that a little more often, a little quicker. As we close this lesson, and it is yours, and we consider the application of what to make in our own lives of keeping our heart. Think of keeping our heart and how it will protect us, of guarding it from sin, guarding it from bad influences. It takes work. It is not a, it is not a passive idea, but it is an active idea. And in doing this, I don't know if I can use this word now. It's almost like a vaccine. And the moment I say that, I know where everybody's minds are going to go. But it's almost being proactive is like a vaccine for us in helping us and protecting us in the future. And so as we extend the invitation and the words you long to hear, and in closing, as we extend the invitation and consider that I don't know where your hearts are at today. But if this is the day that your heart has struggled and you want to make a choice in your life to make a change, there is no day like this day to make that choice. And I've often said that many times when we say, we come to that that real crossroad in our life, We say, well, this is the day I'm not going to take that well-worn road that I always do for me today. I'm going to wait. And you know what happens tomorrow? We don't do it. But if this is the day that you feel in your heart that this is the day to change, we want to encourage you to make that change. It might be simply because you are already washed in the blood of the Lamb, that you simply need the prayers. Whatever is on your mind, we stand ready to help you in prayer. But if this is the day that you need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb, 
as we so often say and sometimes our songs say it. If this is the day, if you have never put on Christ in baptism, this may be the day for you. Because if you believe what we have taught, that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that you are ready to repent your Lord, he is ready to be your king, your Lord in your life. And finally, ready to be baptized and wash away your sins and walk anew. If this is the day, we want to encourage you to make that choice. As together we stand and sing. Love for all.